Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Book Club on Sunrise Robot, where we brave a post-Brexit Britain for Harry Potter. I'm Meredith. I'm Tara. Hi. Hey. And hey, guys, thank you for showing up to this very special episode of Eclectic Readers, um, where we're going to be talking about Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Woohoo! Ah! Ah, it was so I'm good. So, I know, it was so good. Um, Meredith, I haven't seen you since London. How are you doing? I'm good. I, I think I'm back to the right uh, time. Uh, <laughs> it takes a few days. Uh, but yeah, how are you? Yeah, yep, same thing. Back to work, all that sort of stuff, and desperately missing Harry. Uh, missing Harry. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. So uh, just a you know, just to get things rolling, because we have a lot to talk about today. So much to talk about. So much. Um, <clears throat> we're going to start with doing some non-spoilery spoilery reactions first. Um, that being said, if you want to remain absolutely spoil-free, you should go home. Yeah, I mean, you're probably you should, home right now, but you should turn us off. Yeah, you should probably stop listening, is what mm-hmm. we're saying. Or at least maybe until after you've read the play, if, yeah. if you want to go into if, it with nothing. Absolutely. That being said, if you want to hear a little bit, we will let you know when we start getting into really spoilery territory. It will be very obvious. I'll say something like, turn us off now, spoilers ahead, spoilers ahead, warning. Something very obvious. Like right. That. And by spoilers, we mean the actual plot. We so. are going to give you a summary. <laughs> But um, yeah, let's talk about some of our non-spoilerly feels. Our what feels. were your overall feels, Mare? I honestly, I was I was pretty blown away. I I didn't go into it with a whole lot of expectations. You know, I mean, like kind of the the synopsis they gave you wasn't super in depth, so I wasn't I wasn't really sure what to expect. But it was it was amazing. Um, it's so good. Yeah. And it's, it's just like this visual feast of all these things going on. And for something, you know, you're like, oh, well, it's just a play, but it's, oh my gosh, the things they did on stage were amazing. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel terrible even recommending people to read this instead of see it, considering how amazing the live version was. Uh, I I kind of agree. I'm torn. I know, I know. I mean, I'm a reader. I get it. I'd want to. It's new material, right? It's new Harry Potter. You want to read it. But um, the music and the set and the magic, it was just so well accomplished. And the choreography just, it really lent itself to like creating this wondrous world that was so believable on stage. So believable. Oh, it was so good. And and yeah, I mean, obviously, it, it's a while before it's going to start touring in other places. So I get that people, you know, you don't want to be spoiled just by hearing things. You'd rather at least read the play. But so much of it's going to be lost in just stage directions. Right. And so even if you're not, if you read it and you're not a huge fan, if you have the chance, go see the play. Yeah. I think it's it's going to be such a different experience. It's going to start touring in the u.s next year i think sometime maybe that's what they're thinking anyway that would um, be great right i'm seeing it again uh yeah <laughs> pretty much um hello new hamilton nice to see you and meet you yeah pretty um, much so i mean i don't think it really fails on any major plot point you know i think that what you expect from jk is pretty there you know lots of good twists lots of good feel moments angsty Mm -hmm. teenage boys essentially what you expect yeah i i agree i mean she might have not been the sole writer but it's definitely jk's work i mean it Mm -hmm. it it holds up with the rest of the harry potter series Mm -hmm. so let's talk about the set which was awesome oh my gosh it was so cool it was really minimal um but beautiful Um, Mm -hmm. There was these high cathedral ceilings. There was always this clock tower face um, Mm -hmm. that represented different buildings that was there. Um, The moving staircases was one of my favorite parts. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah. Just pretty much staircases on wheels, but the way they moved them, it was just like in the movies where you're seeing the staircases move in Hogwarts, and it was awesome. Uh, And then there were the suitcases. The suit, they used the suitcases on the train scene, um... I won't say much more about that. See, look, almost spoiler. <laughs> spoiler. 
You mean they have suitcases on a train? I know, I know, I know. But I almost said more. Um, And they use those suitcases, though, throughout the show as different, like, furniture pieces, as different set pieces for different things. It was cool, for sure. Um, And, yeah, you know, there's this where you're in the Ministry of Magic, and there's some cool bookcases there, too. Um, And then Tara made a a very interesting... uh, Discovery? I don't know. Discovery, I guess. I mean, observation. Observation, yeah. Yeah, I think maybe that's mm-hmm. a good uh, good way. Some wallpaper that was throughout there. I hope they carry this over into the touring ones. I'm sure it's not going to be possible all the time. But um, yeah, there's some really cool wallpaper that they put in the Palace Theater that had H's on it and stuff. And it was just really neat. And I noticed it. And it was pretty cool. I don't want to say much more. <laughs> Palace Theater was beautiful oh, and huge. Oh my gosh, um, we, we were. Oh my, I couldn't believe it. We were in the fourth row, guys. Fourth row in the orchestra section. Like we, we did good. We were we practically on the stage, guys. <laughs> um, but then you know, like during some of the the breaks, I turned around and looked up, and oh my gosh, there were so many different balconies, and and it was packed. Like there was not an empty seat in the house. No, for sure, no. not even a little bit. Um, And then the music, guys, the music. Mm -hmm. So it was all Imogen Heap, which I'm sure anybody who knows anything about this play probably already knows. Um, And Imogen Heap is an amazing songwriter. And this is most of the music was from one of her albums, just remastered, slowed down, remixed for this play. And it just fit gloriously. I mean, Meredith, as someone who doesn't know much about Imogen Heap, what did you think of the music? Right, yeah. I'm I'm not as familiar with her as an artist, but it was beautiful and it was ethereal and sometimes a little spooky and it just it really fit in with what was going on in the play at the time. I thought it was a very good fit. For sure. All right. So let's try to keep this next part it's, ugh, it's so hard, but actors. Oh my gosh. Actors. I mean, honestly, everyone was amazing. Just so just good, right? in general, every fit their characters well. Um it was like the movie versions of them didn't exist for me. Like they were so good on stage that they just, Oh my God. It just felt like them to me. All of them just felt like those people. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I would say some of the standout uh, actors for me uh, was Anthony Boyle who played Scorp and uh, Noma Dumwemini were uh, just especially. What about you, Tara? Hermione was just fantastic. I mean, to add to those two, I totally agree. But to add the toes the, to those two, Rose, her daughter, Cheryl Skeet, was hysterical, yeah. and Ron Paul Thornley, I thought, did uh, he was so good, amazing. It was just the perfect comedic, you know, foil point yes, to the others for sure. Um, and then I oh, think it's a spoiler. a spoiler. I would not. I would not say that one. Okay, I'm not going to say the next, the last one. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, we caught ourselves. <laughs> um, yeah, oops a day. Um, but that being said, the Sorting Hat, which I think that's pretty obvious, is going to be there. Yes, is I liked how it was character. a character. Yeah, it was. It was kind of this guy walking around yeah. with. He had like a bowler hat as the Sorting Hat, which was kind of interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, so I think we have one non-spoilery listener question. Yeah, right? that's the thing. I'm I'm looking at it, and some of it is, and some of it isn't. I just I don't know. I don't I don't want to accidentally spoil people. Um, Let's try to answer it as 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 non-spoilery as possible. So Megan asked, "How do they represent magic in the play?" So what I'm going to say is that there was a lot of mm-hmm. um, sleight of hand magic, a lot of wires, a lot of sort of trick of the eye, shadow and light effects going on, as well as a lot of times there were people in all black behind the actors um, doing different things. No, like I honestly never saw. I almost never saw. Like them. for real, we were in the fourth row, and I couldn't see them. 
And, <laughs> and they would be behind lifting people up, lifting chairs up. It was madness. It was amazing. Yeah. It um, was magic. It was magic. It felt so organic, too. Like, in no way did it ever feel like... You know how 3D movies kind of sometimes feel like cheap tricks? Yeah. yeah no, it, this... It never Like, there were definitely points where, I mean, they must have... I don't know. Maybe they had some magicians come and train with them for a few weeks. Like, they did some really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where... I was almost, you know, obviously you, you don't have a lot of time, but there was a couple of times where things were a little prolonged that I was almost trying to see it, like how are they were doing this, and I really couldn't. Uh, it, it was awesome. And I think, and that's another thing that's going to get lost when you're just reading the play, um, just the amount of magic that they actually throw in to the performance was really cool. Absolutely. Let's revisit this one after we get the synopsis, and that way we can delve a little deeper into some of the more magical elements. Yes, I agree. So, uh, this question from Kim. Listener Kim asked us, did either of us cry? And again, we can't really go into what may have done that, but I will say there was a couple of times where I got teary-eyed and there was one time that like I did actually cry but it was not an ugly cry. I was able to keep it just like some tears running <laughs> you, down you, my face. You kept it a beautiful time. Yes. A beautiful cry. Yes. There. Beautiful cry. Um, it could have been an ugly cry, but I held it. I held it in. Uh, what about you, Tara? I got, I got misty eyed a couple of times. Like there's definitely water in my eyes. There was one point where like I could feel it happening. And if I had just let it happen, it totally would have. But I, I held it together. I want to say the word is yes, though, because... Had I been alone and maybe not in a theater, I probably would have bawled my eyes out. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a real possibility. All right, guys. um, Sorry to keep that bit so short, but we really want to get to the meat of this episode. So this is your warning here. From here on out, there'll be spoilers, mate. So go away. (laughs) Warning, warning, warning. 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 Spoilers ahead. Many a spoiler ahead. Okay. (laughs) Have you shut it off yet? Have you stopped this podcast? All right. I'm assuming those of you who want to have. So we're going to get right on with the synopsis. Right. Ah. So if you're still listening, don't send us angry tweets that we spoiled it for you because we are moving into spoiler territory Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. So... So let's, yeah, let's, let's dive Here in, Tara. Let's go. start with, with the synopsis. <laughs> um, all right. So the play starts out with the Deathly Hallows epilogue. So right where the book ends, Harry is talking to his sons, Al- Albus and James, and Albus is going to start his first year at Hogwarts. And he is so nervous about the possibility about being sorted into Slytherin. On the Hogwarts Express, according to Rose Granger Weasley, they must go about the very important task of choosing their friends for life. Albus, a much shyer kid than Rose, ends up sitting in a car with Scorpius Malfoy, Draco's son, despite Rose's warning about the rumor that he may in fact be Voldemort's son. Hmm. During the sorting hat ceremony, Scorpius is sorted into Slytherin, Rose is sorted into Gryffindor, and surprisingly, or not so surprisingly, depending on how good you are at figuring out what literature's going to do, Albus is sorted into Slytherin. Albus and Scorpius become best friends, and a few years pass to the summer before fourth year. So during this time, Harry has had trouble connecting with Albus. Albus is being a stupid teenager about things, just normal kid stuff. Uh, But Albus overhears a conversation Harry is having with Cedric Diggory's father, who is blaming Harry for his son's death and begging him to use a time-turner that he's heard was confiscated by the Ministry. It's a time-turner that can go back years, not just hours. And right now, it's, uh, it is with the ministry, and they are wanting to study it, but secretly. So Harry denies its existence. While eavesdropping, Albus meets a girl named Delphi Diggory, the niece of Mr. Diggory and his caretaker. So the night before fourth year of Hogwarts, Harry and Albus have a fight. That mm, is pretty much summed up thus. Harry is skittish and having bad dreams about Voldemort again. His scar hurts, and he is cranky. He tries to give Albus his baby blanket to connect with him. Meanwhile, Ron gives Albus a love potion as a prank. This 
does not go well. Um, he's a 14-year-old boy, guys. Why are you giving him a baby blanket and a love potion? Not not a freaking mix signals, guys. Mix signals. Anywho, um, Albus, in a fit of anger, throws the blanket onto the love potion and says that sometimes he wishes Harry wasn't his dad. Harry angrily replies, sometimes I wish you weren't my son. This is bad guys yeah yeah uh on the train to their fourth year albus does find out that harry lied to mr diggory and the ministry does in fact have a confiscated time turner uh albus decides he's going to escape from the train and steal the time turner from the ministry and go back in time and save cedric's life and be a hero and his dad will love him and everyone yay, will love Albus. him <laughs> uh he yay uh he he asks scorpius to help him and he somewhat begrudgingly agrees one escape the train which is this great sequence uh revolving around the trolley lady which was so good it was awesome uh they go find delphi who happens to have a batch of polyjuice potion already made hmm. just 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 because because you know you just keep that around and also yeah. i guess has hair from ron harry and hermione as well uh, so they all disguise themselves and they're able to get into the ministry and successfully steal the time turner after this really quince in uh the minister of magic's office with this library uh this bookshelf in the library and it's it's really cool it's really it's cool it's amazing it's amazing i mean i don't know any other character that carried around polyjuice potion hmm. with them do you there? i mean was that character know. good hmm. <laughs> hmm. anywho moving on um so albus and scorpius go back to the first challenge of the triwizard tournament disguised as Durmstrang students and akio wand cedric's wand during his turn so he can't finish the dragon challenge they also find out that the time turner only lets you visit the past for up to five minutes so they really have to hurry yeah not they a lot of time there <laughs> not a lot of time they come back to the present and find out cedric still died and while most things seem the same there are a few major differences rose and her brother don't exist because ron and hermione never got married hermione thought that crumb was a part of the conspiracy to mess up cedric's triwizard chances so she never went to the yule ball with him so ron never got that surge of jealousy to act on his feelings towards towards hermione and he ends up marrying padma patel instead and hermione well she ends up being the miserable defense against the dark arts teacher at hogwarts oh and Albus is in Gryffindor because of some bet he made with Ron and Padma's snotty son. <laughs> and by the way, snotty is a is the adjective that Ron uses. We actually never meet the kids, right? So yeah, but that's that's, all that's a little telling where he calls his own son snotty in this in this version of life. <laughs> uh, so Albus, clearly enamored with uh, Delphi, wants to fix things and convinces Scorpius to go back in time. Um, and also, to be fair, he he does also want his cousin Rose to exist again. <laughs> so uh, I feel like Scorpius wants Rose to exist more than um, well. Albus that's does, true. But... Major crush there. Young love. Uh, so, cute. <laughs> um, so they they decide they're going to go back to the second Triwizard Challenge at the lake and change uh, Cedric's spell to not only bubble around his head but to inflate his whole body, and he floats away from the lake with everyone laughing at him so coming back to quote unquote present day scorpius arrives <clears throat> scorpius arrives at the at the lake alone and finds a world where Voldemort not only survived but won the battle of hogwarts and is still in control umbridge is headmaster of hogwarts dementors run the grounds and mudblends are being tortured and killed dun 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 and so ends Part one. Holy <laughs> crap, guys. So much happens. Oh, man. <laughs> Especially that end was intense. Oh, my God. So uh, intense. He, you know, he comes back. And it was really cool, too. I don't know how it looked from the higher up areas, but since we were pretty much flush with the stage, we couldn't see the, the opening, but they actually had water in the stage. So the mm -hmm. guys, when they were pretending to come up from the lake, you know, they would actually come up through some sort of pool. 
Um, but this this new present day, yeah, just seeing Scorpius come up alone, and you're like, oh my god, Albus is not there. What is going on? And and then like everything is really dark and creepy, and then Umbridge is there, and you're like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And, and then oh, the Dementors. Well, and then the Dementors drop down. Oh. When the Dementors drop down, and then the um, the new sigil for the school drops down. It's like this really cool stylized dark mark. Yeah. Um, with that makes like an S because I guess everyone's in Slytherin now. Yeah, that's like the only house. Only house, Slytherin house. Yay! And um, oh man, those Dementors—they were they were beautiful, but they were terrifying. Um, terrifying and one swept real close to yeah us. like it actually came out into the audience you know like on its strings and stuff and oh man so good oh so um we i guess in a way we were fortunate that the day we saw it we got to see both in one day but can you imagine mm-hmm. ending that and then having to wait an entire day to see part two well, I, I know. And I love my reaction when it first ended. I turned to you and I'm like, so who here thought Albus was the hero of this story? Because he's not in it anymore. Yeah. It, like, um, it takes a very interesting twist. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And guys, Scorpius is just the most adorable character. You know, he's Draco's son, so you think he's going to be snotty and terrible, and he's not. He's not he's, snotty oh my and gosh, terrible He's at all. awkward and adorable and funny and... And should have been in Ravenclaw, but we won't go there. Yes, and- that's true. Yeah, he's very smart, very <laughs> bookish. He is awesome. Very awesome. He really, really is. Um, so, I guess we could go a little bit into those questions that we were putting off a bit. Um, let's see. So we have some listener questions about what, uh, from, from Kim's asking what everyone's jobs and careers are in the play. And we didn't say it in the synopsis, but they're awesome. They are. (laughs) Uh, so let's see. Harry is the head of magical law enforcement. Um, which we, which, you know, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Ron runs the Weasley wizard wheezes shop, which is pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. Do they ever mention George, though? They don't. I'm assuming he's still part owner. Right. Or owner. And, you know, Ron just likes it. Yeah. <laughs> Ron was so funny in this. He was just, he was hilarious. Uh, so uh, Molly is a writer, a sports writer for the Daily Prophet. Mm-hmm. And my favorite one. Yes. My favorite one is that Hermione Granger. And she keeps her last name because, of course, she does. Yeah. Hermione Granger is the Minister of Magic. Snaps! Isn't that Snaps amazing, everywhere. guys? She is the Minister of Magic. It was just awesome. Oh, the reveal is the best, too, because she's in Harry's office, and Harry is putting off doing paperwork, and she's there to kind of scold him for it. Very Hermione, you know, and she's just like, listen, this isn't a scolding. Take this as a strong recommendation. Beat, beat, beat. From your minister. And I literally <laughs> squealed in my chair. <laughs> Minister of Magic. That's awesome. Squealed in my chair. <laughs> but of course she, I mean, it is, it's Hermione, people. We knew it was a matter of time, I right? I know. Um, and Draco, well, he's rich? Yeah, I don't know. Like, he, he's definitely around. Like, he is a character in the story, but they don't really say. I mean, the Malfoys seem pretty, um, even though they avoided going to Azkaban, they seem pretty you know, separated from ministry duties and official duties due to their part in the war. So it's not too surprising to me mm-hmm. that he's not involved. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Um, and then we were also asked, does anyone live in the muggle world? And I would say not that I can really recall them specifying. Mm, yeah, no, no. At least none of these main characters. No. Does Hermione still have a time turner? Seriously. Uh, so this one was also from Kim. Like We were like, are you psychic, child? Seriously. <laughs> are you psychic, Kim? Are you hiding something from us? Uh, because that's pretty much what this whole story is, is, you know, sort of, I guess, focused on in a way. I mean, all of this time change and, you know, what, what you do affects the, the future. And it's really, it's pretty intense. Um, I mean, the answer is no. She doesn't have that time turner. In the story, all time turners were destroyed. Right. Uh, but clearly she gets a new one and decides, this one's so interesting. I just really, really want to study it. Right. And then they also make a point to say, like, we had said, oh, you know, you can only go back for five five minutes. But yeah, I guess the one, or 
Hermione originally had was that you could only go back, you know, a day or a, a, a few hours. Yeah, like a bunch of hours. Yeah. Because you, each turn was an hour, remember? Mm-hmm. So, like, think about that. You'd have to turn forever to get just a year. Right. So, so this I, one, you know, obviously works differently. Still has some kinks to it. Um, mm-hmm. But they can travel a lot further back in time. Do we want to revisit the magic question now? Yeah, I think we can. Um, yeah. So my favorite bit of magic is um, when the time turner works. Yeah. So the time turner floats between their hands, which I know how they do that because that's a basic magic trick. I know how to make things float, but like um, it's floating between their hands and spinning and that just looks badass. It looked really cool. Um, but uh, other than that, the lighting that's happening during that time period is creating shadows and light onto the stage itself for all the shadows and light that would naturally be on the stage. And when the time turner works, the lighting people ripple that light. Yeah. And it looks, it looks like the stage is freaking rippling and it is unbelievable. Yeah. It was really cool for sure. I mean, it's an easy trick, but I was like, what just happened? Yeah. But it just looks so cool. Um, Oh my God. And then another part that I really liked now that we brought up the polyjuice, um, it was so cool how the the younger actors transformed into the older actors to then pretend like, you know, that they were polyjuiced. And I have to say, you know, like they're in their robes. And so like they start kind of wiggling around and like one arm will pop in and then the other actor's arm will pop out and then do this like kind of seamless thing where one person's head goes into the the um the robe and then the other actor's head pops out and you're just like oh my gosh that is so cool that's a really cool way to do the transformation <laughs> and again we're in the fourth row i could not see four sets of feet in the robe like no i mean clearly there was some sort of trapdoor situation going on but like it was not obvious at any point in time exactly it was it was done so well and i'm sure that took a long time to choreograph and really get down but it was awesome like seriously very cool i mean i know we've mentioned it we mentioned it at least once but i really like harry's dream sequences too mm, uh, yeah. because there's a lot of like things coming out of the dark at harry and a lot of you know things suddenly appearing and it looks all very dark and ethereal and magical and just easy 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 yeah and so yeah his his nightmares are kind of flashbacks that then like have like bad things happen that didn't necessarily happen or like i think voldemort's voice turns up sometimes but we we get to see hagrid in his in his dreams which was pretty cool and the shoes they give this guy to walk down these stairs i'm so impressed he did not fall oh my gosh giant yeah for real and he was a great hagrid i think he did a really great job it was the same guy that played the sorting hat, right? It, that lo- was my it looked like it, but then but I was like, that's a lot of hair and makeup to do. So I'm like, maybe. It is a lot of hair. So I don't know if it it looked like the same guy, but if it is, they they really got that hair and makeup down to go back and forth. All right. I think we should start with the summary for part two of The Cursed Child. We can come back to some more magical things that I definitely want to bring up that happens in part two, mm-hmm. and I don't. I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it. We'll spoil it in about five minutes, but... Yeah, we'll spoil <laughs> it after we spoil it, but, you know. Yeah, you know. You know. Uh, <laughs> all right, so on to part two. So in this version, or this new version, I should say, of present day, Scorpius, or the Scorpion King, as this version of him is called, is super popular in this universe. Supposedly he is a cold-as-ice mudblood killer. Our Scorpius, bumbling, brilliant, adorable, Scorpius finds this absolutely horrifying. Thank goodness, because mm-hmm. otherwise I'd be super disappointed. Oh. Um, <clears throat> he goes about trying to find a way home, and he finds out that Snape is alive. Oh my gosh! I was. I, I think we. I was all not like, prepared uh, for Snape to be alive. No, the actual line is: "Wait, did you just say Snape?" Which was my yeah. reaction. <laughs> so I appreciate that Scorpius had the same reaction I had. Um, but he finds Snape and convinces him of what the future could have been. And Snape admits to still being a part of the Order of the Phoenix, which now only consists of himself, Ron, and Hermione. Scorpius also finds out that in this reality, Cedric 
did survive, but the embarrassment from the Triwizard Tournament turned him towards the Death Eaters, and in the Battle of Hogwarts, he only killed one, <sighs> one mm-hmm. wizard, and that wizard is Neville Longbottom. <sighs> so Nagini was not killed, and Voldemort was left invincible with the Horcrux still intact. Uh, basically, the truth is Neville is a boss-ass wizard, and this proves it. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, when, when they said that, when Snape was like, oh, he just killed one person, Neville Longbottom. And you're like, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> and then even Scorpio's like, oh, oh, all right. Well, huh, that's how it all happened then. <laughs> you know? It's like, well, that's very, very bad. And I know why. <laughs> and of course, you know, this version of Snape is like, what's the big deal? And we're like, it's a big deal. <laughs> uh, all right. So. Snape, Ron, and Hermione agree to help Scorpius go back in time and prevent all of this from happening. Uh, They manage to go back to the tasks and stop Albus and Scorpius from messing things up further. Uh, In the process, Ron and Hermione finally admit their love for each other. uh, Because in this version of history, they weren't married either. Um, Nope. They were just... Best friends for life, mate. Yeah, yeah high hey, five. Yeah. <laughs> Us against the world. So they finally admit their love for each other and they die at the hands of Dementors. Severus then also has to sacrifice himself to save Scorpius, much like he did before for Harry. Aww. Tear. Tear. We get to see his Patronus and it's badass. Yes. Um, so Scorpius is able to go... He's able to go to the second Triwizard Tournament, fix everything, and get the present day back to the way it should be. And Albus and him decide to meet with Delphi one last time to tell her about their decision to destroy the Time Turner. Delphi doesn't like that so much, so she steals it from them and tries one last time to embarrass Cedric in the third Triwizard task. Mm. But failing to do so, she realizes that fate can be rewritten and instead takes them back to Godric's Hollow, the night that Voldemort tries to kill baby Harry. Oh, man. So it comes out, Delphi tells them that she is the daughter of Voldemort. Bum, bum, ah! bum. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, (laughs) And she is uh, the augury, a prophesied child who, with the help of Albus and by sparing Cedric, believes she can bring about where her father wins. Having been thwarted by those meddling kids, she trying different, quote unquote, normal time. The adults are discovering all of Delphi's trickery. With that cool wallpaper, we realized. Yes. What we mentioned earlier. Yeah, they blacklight that wallpaper that's everywhere. And the, the prophecy comes out all over the theater. And it is awesome. It is so cool. Because awesome. the wallpaper, like, you know, we could see it right in front of us. But it was all over, all over the place. So you're just like on the theater and you're like seeing all this blacklight wording. And it was really cool. So Very good job, nice. Tara, on spotting that. Yeah! I was like, why would they have this? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> while in Godric's Hollow, Scorpius and Albus try to figure out a way to let Harry know what point in time they are and leave him a hidden message in the baby blanket that would react to the love potion he spilled on it, spilled on it in part one. This is really yeah. brilliant, guys. Yep. So Draco meets with Harry in present day and admits that his father has a time turner a spruced-up version of the one the Ministry confiscated. Um, To quote Draco, it has no pesky five-minute problem and is made of glittering gold, like the Malfoys like it. (laughs) God, that was a great line. Yeah, it it was good. (laughs) (laughs) So, Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Draco all take the time-turner to go back to Godric's Hollow uh, right before Harry's parents' death. They decide to try to lure Delphi into a nearby church by having Harry transfigure into Voldemort. She's fooled for a short time, but then it leads to a battle, and she's eventually captured. While in their custody, she tells them that her mother is Bellatrix Lestrange. And, of course, we knew her father was Voldemort, she'd already told them, but it was new news for the rest of the group. (laughs) And after the Battle of Hogwarts, she was raised by Bellatrix's husband. Uh, 
all during this time, Voldemort is still on his way to kill the Potters, and Harry has to stand by and watch his parents die in order to keep the future the same. This Ugh, is so sad, you it guys. Was... It is terrible to watch the reaction on everyone's face as they all watch. Ugh. And we can hear Lily and James's death. It's just... Right. Um, I guess I'm, I think the way they did it, like, there is a character... And he walked through the crowd like he walks down the main aisle to the back so then you're kind of you know you so like the he house does, is yeah. in the back of the theater yeah. so you don't see him anymore but you hear everything and you're just watching their reaction on stage and it was heartbreaking and you can see the green lights from the avada Kedavra, yeah Kedavra, like on their faces and it's oh well it's terrible so the play ends not there i think yeah <laughs> yes it doesn't end there the play ends with Albus and Harry trying to work on their frayed relationship. Um, and Harry visits Albus at Hogwarts and takes him to the site of Cedric's grave. And they, you know, start to have that conversation about building and, you know, being there for each other. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's how it ends. Mm-hmm. With, I mean, you wouldn't think a gravesite is more hopeful, but it's definitely more hopeful than the death of Lily and James and Godric's Hall. Yeah, it was. It, it was. It was it was a hopeful ending and you could tell that they mm-hmm. were starting to kind of repair their relationship and they're starting to understand each other more. I think that was a lot of it. They just were not understanding each other. Yeah. I mean, and that's really a huge theme about this play is the miscommunication between parent and child or the non-communication between parent and child and how much children want to make their parents proud Mm -hmm. and how much parents, you know, try as they might for their children may not under, you know, may not be doing the best that they can. Uh, Molly, oh my God, have we been saying Molly this entire time, by the way? We've been saying Molly. Oh my gosh. Every time we said Molly, we've been meeting Ginny. Oh, good grief. And that's, Terrible. <laughs> yeah, that probably really confused Terrible everybody. Yeah, so wow. sorry so, about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, I think we're still on the other time zone. <laughs> obviously, obviously. But Ginny, Ginny is the writer of the Sports of Daily Prophet. <laughs> Ginny is married to Harry. You all know this. I bet you all figured out way before we figured out that we're dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that, would, that would be weird if, if Harry married um, Ginny's mom. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no. So it, it's just Ginny is so much like Molly. It's really hard uh, as a character in this play. She mm-hmm. is very much like her mother. Um, but Ginny's, like her mother was about to say, is um, just very, you know, the character that does the right thing by her kid. I feel like, you know, the one who's trying her best and like a really good foil for Harry because Harry's just. He's just, well, yeah, mess. he's all over the place. She's definitely the the rock in that relationship, and um, I I like I liked the actor who played her as well. I mean, she looked just like um, what was the act? Is it Bonnie Wright who played Jenny in the? Yeah, Bonnie does, Wright. Does she yeah. look like this is Jenny in? You know, she does. Fifteen years. Um, it was yeah, that was dead on. But she was also a really great actor too. And there was one point where, you know, because Dra- another thing that I really enjoyed was Draco and the love that he has for his son, Scorpius. Like, oh, oh man, I he know. loves his son. He really just wants, I mean, he's constantly trying to get Harry to make, you know, to make some sort of announcement to say that, hey, you know, you've got to say that Scorpius is not the son of Voldemort. You have to come out. Right, because, you know, he's, like, everyone's shunning him, and, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, if you think this guy might be Voldemort's mm-hmm. son, you're not going to be very popular. I mean, and he admits it. He's like, you know, I'm not very, I'm not a very good dad. I'm not really good at talking to him, but I want to protect him, and it's just so sweet. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's one point where uh, they're still trying to figure out where Scorpius and Albus are. You know, they're, I don't think they know about the Time Turner stuff yet, and, and, Draco is getting really, really nasty and upset with them. And man, Ginny just gives it right back. Oh, yeah. You know, because Draco's like, that's my son. And she's like, that's my son, too. I know. It was such a great moment. It was such a great moment. And then Draco shows up. 
backs up immediately. <laughs> backs up is just like, yes, it is, ma'am. You are right. <laughs> like, you can just see it on his face. It's great. Um, but I think to kind of go back a little bit to the question about if we cried, um, I definitely, uh. I teared when Snape was came back and you're like, I, I was not emotionally prepared yeah. for Snape to be alive and a character in this uh, play. So, I, yeah, so I teared I wasn't up. either. And Alan Rickman, we love you. Yeah. Like, uh, that's totally... Um, so I teared up a little bit there. And then I, I think I kind of teared up when he had to sacrifice himself again. And like his Patronus came out to, to give Scorpius some extra time from the Dementors. Um, but then the place that I like actually was crying was at the end where like Harry and everybody just had to like let his parents die and like just watching their emotions and the reactions and oh poor Harry you know like he's so just tormented because obviously can you imagine what his life would have been like if his parents hadn't died but then if they hadn't died then you know every you know no it was so hard it was so hard because, you know, he knows that the only way to defeat Voldemort is mm-hmm. to let that prophecy happen and is to let him yeah. defeat him. That's it. That, that, and that's like the cornerstone of the Harry Potter universe. So Harry is choosing in that moment mm-hmm. that future at the expense, at the very real yeah. expense of his parents. And it's, I'm like a little bit tearing yeah. up right now. It's it like, it's horrible. really horrible. It's horrible, but amazing and, to watch. And, and they did a so good Scorpius job and Albus are there, you know, sometime before all of this goes down. So they're actually watching. They had actors play James and Lily and, you know, like they had a baby carriage and they were walking around and she's got the blanket that... Matilda Bagshot is there. All the Godric Collins yeah. people are there. It's really actually a pretty cool... And so later on, sequence. you know, Albus is like, yeah, you know, dad, your mom really loved you. You know, and... Uh, yeah it was hard so uh so now we're gonna start crying on the podcast um so let's see um so some other some other magic-y things like uh we were saying the patronus was done really nicely uh it was it was very beautiful i think was it kind of lights on some wires i guess like you know it was like a a form of the animal i think no i think like like some other things there was a puppeteer in all black right but and there was a like um yeah the patronus itself was sort of i don't think it was lights i actually think it was lit on fire oh okay. like i think the wires itself was lit in that like non-catchable mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking about at least that's what it looked like it looked like fire to me and if it wasn't great job whoever designed that yeah yeah because um, it flickered and and acted like fire, I thought it was really cool, mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful. And then you know, obviously throughout the play, they were doing lumos with their wands, and and lights would come on the tips. Um, but then there are other times where like sparks would shoot out, and then in that that battle with Delphi in the church, like they were like they had it was like flamethrowers coming out of their wands, like it was yeah. legit fire. I could feel the heat on my face. It was it was pretty incredible. It was really cool. I really liked from part two the sequence where Draco and Harry start fighting and have the duel in Harry's office, and like tables are flipping, chairs yes. are flipping. At some point, like Draco gets like get, hangs in midair and then like flips over. Yes. And, they just do a really good job. And that's all people. Mm-hmm. I'm 90% sure there's no wires in that scene. I think that's black, all just people like... lifting people and like moving stuff around. And it was so good. And it looked so organic. It looked so natural. It never looked awkward. I don't, I don't even know. Yes, how it was. It was awesome. And then there are other times, I think, especially, what was it, when Hermione was the defense against the dark art teacher. Like she was just like so like not even into anything she's just like flicking her wand and like throwing the chairs up on the desks and all that stuff oh, yeah. she overturns everybody yeah. at one point doesn't she I think, so. yeah yes because um yes she gets mad at at uh, scorpius yeah for being like but why aren't you and ron married and she's like how dare you just like <laughs> and yeah that was pretty awesome um yeah. and let's see i mean hermione no matter what you do you're a badass yes but you were much happier as the Minister of Magic. <laughs> much happier. <laughs> Poor baby. Oh, and then uh, we made a quick reference to it, but the trolley lady 
Oh my gosh, the trolley. <laughs> the trolley lady. Oh my god, the trolley trolley lady might have been one of my favorite surprises of this. Oh, it was play. awesome. Did not expect it. So the, the trolley lady sequence happens when Scorpius and Albus are trying to escape the train. And they're on top of the train and they're about to jump off it into the water using a cushioning charm. And Scorpius and Albus, or Scorpius talking to Albus, and Albus is yelling at him, and Scorpius is like, Albus, the trolley lady! And he's like, it's not time for sweets. But, like, she is is legit. She's like, she is behind you! And behind them, on the top of the train, on this scene, you can just see the trolley lady slowly coming on top of the train. She's, like, slowly coming, with her trolley. Rolling her way down, with her trolley. On the top of the train. It's the best. And she's just like, I've never let anyone escape the Hogwarts Express. And Fred and George Weasley have tried. And Sirius and his group have tried. And I've never allowed it. I won't let you. And her fingernails grow long. Oh, they grow and- like to these long, like, blades. And oh, it was like, amazing. Yeah, so apparently she's also like this secret guardian of the train. Uh, and she's been there, we learned. She's been there since the beginning. Yeah. She's old as... Yeah. Just saying. But she she was pretty awesome. But they are able just to kind of jump off the train, and she doesn't wasn't able to stop them. But, man, those nails, like, knives things that they had coming out of her fingers, was, that was pretty awesome. Really cool. And the person who played her also played McGonagall, who had a great Scottish accent. Yes. And we should also um, mention McGonagall is the headmaster of Hogwarts, correct? Yes. yes she's the headmistress, headmistress of Hogwarts. Yes. And um, we didn't mention her plotline at all. She has a pretty <laughs> extensive plotline. Um, at one point, Harry decides that um, Scorpius is really bad for Albus and s- says you can no longer see him. And she- he, like, bullies McGonagall into taking the Marauder's map and keeping them apart. Yeah, like keeping an and, eye on them and making sure that yeah. they're not close to each other. Um, and McGonagall yeah. at first agrees to it because he bullied her, but then later it's just like, I ain't doing this for you, Harry Potter. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and she bosses Hermione, and it's the best. Hermione calls her Minerva, and like she just turns to her and stares. She's like, excuse and she's me? Like, <laughs> and like, Hermione's just like, um, professor. Yeah, but she's like, but... <laughs> I'm the Minister of Magic, <laughs> but it's it's I still McGonagall. What, right? Nope, nope. You can't. I am Professor McGonagall to you, child. Mm. Oh, just I love McGonagall. Yes. she's she's my soul. And then we should also, I think we should also make mention that while um, Dumbledore doesn't necessarily, you know, he's not a. Well, I mean, he's he doesn't like come back to life in this yeah. in, or in any of the um, the past sequences or anything but his his picture does come and talk to harry a few times throughout the play and i i enjoyed how they did that too you know they just had this huge wooden frame and then an actor would come into the frame and stand there and talk and uh it was really cool it was really cool it i mean that was really and it looked really good too Mm -hmm. even though we could see their legs i felt really comfortable with it i don't know it felt very portraity at the same time yeah yeah um, i really enjoyed it oof. god i mean there's guys there's so much to the play we didn't have time to mention oh the yeah synopsis. i mean what it's almost wasn't each part almost three hours yeah each part was almost three hours so it's there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on and it's great and the interaction mm-hmm. between we don't mention too much because their plot isn't as important to the overall plot. The interaction between Harry, Ron, Hermione, Ginny, and Draco is awesome. The adults are so, so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really are. Um, um, it was it was really great. And I guess kind of going along with that, do you want to do, I think this is our last listener question um, from a, a Twitter follow. Is it, I guess, is it, Cigar Paul, Cigar Paul 07. Yeah, sorry for butchering that guy. <laughs> yeah, apologize. sorry. Uh, but he asked, how was the plot of Cursed Child compared to the original Harry Potter series? So, clearly there's a lot of very different things. It takes place over four years, with the majority of it being taken place in a couple of days. Right, A majority of it really only takes place in maybe two weeks of time during their fourth year. Um, 
you know, it's, it's different because we're seeing a ton of different perspectives. I know we get some different perspectives in the Harry Potter novels, but mostly we're following around Harry. Um, in this one, you know, we've got Scorpius's perspective. We've got Albus's perspective. We have the adult's perspective. We have the Augury's perspective. Um, we really just get a wide berth of characters involved. Um, oh, you know, but I think it still rings very JK. I think we said that before. It still feels like a very JK story, um, but it's definitely not one that would have ended up in the novels. I think, I and, and JK said this in an interview that this really had to be a play. And, you know, while I'm sure a book version of this would be very satisfying as well, I kind of agree. I think that the play format really works for this. Um, so what was the biggest surprise for you, Mare, of this play? Like, in the play, what was the biggest surprise? Actually prepared for Snape to show up. Uh, <laughs> that that was definitely a big surprise. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of it was a surprise because I just didn't know what to expect, if that makes sense. Uh, what about you? I'm going to have to, I'm going to cheat and say two things. <laughs> Um, I'm going to cheat and say when Scorpius comes out of the lake alone and Umbridge uh. is there and we see the banner drop and the Dementors come out and I was just like, this is really about Scorpius. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> no, what? I, I was really shocked by that. And I'd say also when, when it went back to Godric's Hollow, I was really surprised that we went back to Godric's Hollow. Um, yeah, because I knew that was going to break my heart. The second they showed up there and realized where they were, I was like, "This is going to destroy." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's what I want art to do, right? I want art to ruin me. That sounds weird, but it's true. Uh, so, uh, those were my two. My two. Were you surprised that they went back to Godric's Hollow? I yeah, I was surprised by everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just yeah. And, and the different outcomes by changing a few things. I mean, you know, obviously, any, any, anyone knows with time travel, you switch one little thing, you change one thing, and, mm-hmm. like, all of these unexpected things happen. And, and I just want to say this, too. For those naysayers out there who's like, yeah, but Harry Potter time travel works on a closed loop, blah, 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 blah. Yes, that's how it worked in the books. And they do address it in the play. They say that you can go back up to five hours without greatly changing anything and having any major consequences. They go back years. So it's a different sort of set of consequences. But I've seen that online. Mm-hmm. You people. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> Ah, so I guess are we are we really down to our last question? No, last two, last two? characters we weren't expecting to see in the play. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I think we've pretty much. No, no, I, I did not expect to see Moaning Myrtle. Yes, and that was awesome. We didn't mention her in the synopsis. That is I true. I want to mention her here. Moaning Myrtle's in this play, and it is great. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's hilarious as usual. Um, oh my god! Yeah, that was cool. So good. Oh, and that was also a cool set piece. They brought up, you know, the, the those crazy sinks from her bathroom. Mm-hmm. And there was, like, water splashing around. And and she's on top of it and turns around. And, like, she is obviously the person who they got to play it is obviously an acrobat because she's really, like, flinging herself around that set piece yeah. <laughs> in a very cool way. Yeah. So in a she very Cirque cool. du Soleil way. I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, but I think we've kind of been mentioning everyone else. I mean, like, it was really cool to see Hagrid. I wasn't, you know, expecting that. And, and the young James and Lily Potter. Mm-hmm. Uh, just made you so sad. <laughs> so let me ask a different question then. Who wasn't in the play that you wanted mm. to see in the play? They, well, they they talk about, well, obviously in the in the one version of history, Neville dies, but in like the regular present day, he is a professor at Hogwarts and they mention him a few times, but we never see him. Constantly. And I was like, never see like, him. Why? That was also my answer. Why? Like, why can't I see you, Neville? I love you. <laughs> come on stage, oh. Neville, come teach a class or something. Um, I think, I think we all just want Matthew Lewis to walk out well, on stage. Yeah. 
Huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I also wish that we could have seen more of Rose. I mean, I know yeah. they couldn't, like, the way things went since the two guys were in Slytherin, like, she didn't, it, it would have been hard to really include her into. And she wasn't really friends with them until the end of the play again. Like, she starts out friends with Albus, and then due to what happens at Hogwarts, um, you know, only really becomes friends with Albus and Scorpius again towards the mm-hmm. end of the play. But that being said, like, yeah, no, Rose was such a great character, and I really also, I just wish I'd seen more of her. She was hysterical. Yeah. Just the perfect Hermione-Ron hybrid. And, yeah, totally shipping her and Scorpius together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scorpius is so into Rose, and it's adorable. And he's kind of giving him a a little bit of hope at the end of the play. I mean, (laughs) she turned him down. (laughs) He asked her out, and she turned him down at the end of the play. But at the same time, she's like, well, let's go hang out. Yeah. So... Who knows? Scorpius is like, yes, (laughs) I will wear you down. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cute. I know. Elvis is just like, she turned you down, you know, and he's like, but she talked to me. So cute. cute. I would love to see more of that trio. Uh, Young love. (laughs) I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think. Was there anyone else? I wish we had seen Scorpius's mom at least once. I understand not casting her. She dies in the play. We also didn't mention that in synopsis. She dies in between, I think, yeah, second I and third yeah. year um, during the, like, montage right. sequence of years that happens in the beginning. Um, and I always mm-hmm. wondered yeah. what she looked like, <laughs> you know, from the, from, the, from the epilogue. And so selfishly, I understand not doing it, but selfishly, I kind of wanted uh, to see her yeah. cast. But uh, there's just so much going on in this play, so I know they had to kind of make decisions. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's really anyone else. Did you miss Hugo that much? I mean, we Hugo is mentioned, Rose's brother, but we never see him. Right. I mean, you know, it is what it is. I mean, yeah. we barely see uh, James and Lily, the, the, new, the new kids, not the parents. Um, they make a couple of quick appearances. James and Lily the Younger. The younger, <laughs> the children, her, not the parents. <laughs> yeah, Lily in her fairy wings is so cute. Yeah, it's a sequence where she gets fairy wings. Mm-hmm. It's adorable. Um, all right, I think we are now at our last question, and which is, I think, the most important question, or, or not the question, maybe. Yeah, the <laughs> question, which is, who do you think is the cursed child? So, you know, you go in with what little you know, think, okay, well, it's probably going to be Albus because, you know, it can't be Harry Potter because it's Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And we already know. That would just be redundant. Right. And, you know, Harry Potter, yeah, has his own curses he's already had to deal with. We know that. So you're kind of like, oh, well, it'll probably be his son. And then some people were like, well, maybe it's going to be Scorpius. But so after thinking about it, I think that the Cursed Child is Cedric Diggory. I, he, he lives a cursed life for the fact that even though he's a great kid, he's innocent, he should not have died in the Triwizard Tournament, he has to die for things to end up the way that they should be. For the future as we know it to exist, he has to die. And so I feel like that is a, like a curse. Um, yeah, I mean, the Augury's prophecy is in order to re you know in order to bring Voldemort back is that they must spare the spare which just how harsh mm, yeah. is that um so i i mean and Cedric is quite literally cursed mm-hmm. yeah just no matter what you know. they do it is interesting that in, in one scenario he becomes a death eater <laughs> um but yeah, so unfortunately, he is cursed to die. Just, I mean, just like I guess you know, Harry has that curse where like he had to let his parents die, uh, you know. Um, right. And I think it was also very telling that they end the play at Cedric's grave. Um, it was, it was an interesting way to end it. I mean, I think I think it makes sense that Cedric. Um, I think it makes sense that Cedric, because of all of the deaths in the Harry Potter novels, Cedric's 
is the only child death we see on screen and the only child death on screen mm-hmm. by a curse. You know, he is a Vada Kedavra in front of us. So I think it makes sense that this story is about Harry and Cedric and the things that connect them um, and how it affects generations. Um, I would like to propose an alternative theory, though. Mm-hmm. That the cursed child is, in fact, Delph- Delphi, mm-hmm. uh, the augury. Because much like Harry, she has a prophecy about her that she feels has to be, you know, she has to accomplish. And she's been sort of hidden away from wizarding society and manipulated by Bellatrix's husband. She never went to Hogwarts. She never really talked to anybody. You know, all to fulfill this destiny of bringing back Voldemort. Um, When you really think about her, I mean, she's pretty evil and she manipulates the kids and all these things happen. But I mean, was there ever another choice for her? Did she ever have the opportunity to be anything other than that? Um, Right. I mean, that's kind of what she grew up to be. That's all she knows. That's all she knows. I mean, if you're not ever lit out of a house by someone whose child you aren't even of, you know, but I, you know, she just wants love, man. She just wants her father to be proud of her. She wants to bring her father back. It just happens that her father is the Dark Lord, but, you know. But she wasn't raised that that was a bad thing. You know, I... So I think, in a way, she's also very cursed. She's just cursed by her situation, or... Cursed by the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. And, you know, JK's good at kind of letting things like this happen where we can debate, and um, it's not necessarily a clear-cut thing. No. I don't think it's meant to be clear, Mm -hmm. either. I mean, I feel pretty strongly it's one or the (laughs) other, but I'm sure other people have their theories. Um, so, uh, did we like it? Um, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure we did. Right? I think we kind of loved it. <laughs> I feel, yeah, love is a good word. I feel pretty much like I love this play. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, I'm so glad we saw it two days in a row. Um, Mer, I'm so glad you made it. We didn't talk about this, but Meredith almost missed oh my the play gosh. altogether due to some terrible uh, plane scheduling my, my situations. My flight got canceled, and then the next flight got me in just a few hours before the play started. And So, of course, she's exhausted. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know what day or time it was. And, oh, it was, yeah. Thankfully, I think the adrenaline kept me going once I was there, and it was so awesome. But I was, I'm not even kidding, guys. My husband and I were literally running to our seats, and then they started the show. <laughs> I saw them rounding the corner. I'm like, "You're come on, you can make it!" It was great. It was very yes. theatrical, which was very it, that it was. Oh, oh, and and then who do we see in between the break? <gasps> Okay, yeah, this has nothing to do with Harry Potter, but Kate Blanchett was there, and that you was the guys, most amazing. Kate Blanchett, we could have touched her. <laughs> she was like two feet in front of me <laughs> we didn't we did not touch her but we could no, have but it was possible <laughs> and now we sound like creepers <laughs> yes but, it's but just we didn't talk we, to her we just no, watched from afar, afar creepily and, and, and agreed that it was definitely her because that yes. was the debate we're like that is that is who we think it is right yeah um <laughs> but she's lovely of course and was with her family so of course no one disturbed her because you're with your family no one should disturb you and and that was yeah. just really awesome. She was so. what? She was buying her kids the every flavored jelly beans. Yeah, yeah, something <laughs> like that. Celebrities, they're just oh. like us. <laughs> and then I think I saw something a few days afterwards. Um, Emma Watson went to play. Oh, did she really? I think so. That's good. Daniel Radcliffe said he won't go. So. Well, Daniel. Hmm. Well, he said it would just be too weird, I think, to go see it. And he was concerned that it would cause too much of, like, a thing in the theater if he was there. It would definitely have to be, like, a secret thing. I don't know how they'd work yeah, it out. Yeah, I'd have to be like, you know, like, yeah, hide you. Wear a hat. <laughs> <laughs> Wear a hat. But they could make it work, Daniel. They could make it work. Um, so I just want to say one thing before we wrap this up, and that is that this podcast is going to be coming out on July 31st, which is Harry's birthday. So I feel like I'd be really remiss not to say happy birthday, Harry. 
Happy birthday, Harry. Thank you for growing up with me. I mm. really appreciate it. And for keep keeping the magic alive. Yeah. Really, you know, I appreciate that into my old age now. <laughs> um, and so I guess then the next book on Eclectic Readers, if you're following our normal podcast, we are reading The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. And that will be coming out on August 15th. So look forward to that. Yes, I'm also very excited for that sometime. Me too. All right. So where can I find you, Tara, to talk to you about Harry Potter things? Oh, well, Twitter is absolutely the best way. Um, go ahead and find me at Tara Newman. I was an early adopter, so I got my name. T-A-R-A-N-E-W-M-A-N. That's probably best. Or you could just, you know, go ahead and bug me on Goodreads. I'm there, too, under our Eclectic Reader Book Club group. What about you, Mare? Well, you can definitely find me on Twitter or Goodreads or own and you're on the Litzy app. Uh, I have the same handle under all three. It's Mare the Book Gal. So uh, it's Mare is M-E-R-E. All word. Come find me and talk to me. <laughs> And if you would like to support us, we at sunriserobot.net slash support. So some of our patrons that we would like to say a special thanks to include Benji Robinson, Carolyn Kraut, and Joan Edwards. Thanks for being awesome, guys. Yeah. Woo uh, we'll have show notes up um, at sunriserobot.net slash eclecticreader slash 19. Uh, please make sure to subscribe to us in your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, rate and review us on iTunes so more people can find us and more people can talk to us about books. Because that's all what, that's all we want, right? Is to talk about books all the time. Yeah. Books, fandom, pop stuff. You know, we're eclectic. <laughs> it's our thing. It's our thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's shelve this until next time. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye.